to your Catholic drive time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's so good to be on with you this morning. Praise be to God in all things. How was your weekend? Hopefully you uh, didn't pay much attention to the headlines because that always stresses you out. Boy, is it ever rough. It's a good... It's good to fast from the news. Don't you agree? I mean, just it's less stressful. But part of our job here in Catholic Drive Time is to keep you informed. So we'll have breaking stories and news today. Uh, good morning, Emily Alcarez. Good morning, Joe. How's your weekend? Praise God. Uh, I got a chance to just uh, relax just a little bit. We were doing some cleaning around the house because our priest is coming over for the Epiphany Blessing, which is super awesome. We're so excited about that. How was yours? Oh, that's great. I was on retreat this weekend, so I was leading a youth group retreat, and I gave a talk, which was really great, and it was just really very draining, but my heart is very full. <laughs> very draining. People. If it wasn't for people, this world would be awesome. I'm just saying. I'm just D- saying. Didn't Mother Angelica say that? <laughs> Probably, yeah. Speaking of awesome people, Edwin Fonseca's on the ones and twos this morning. Good morning. I don't think I've ever heard you say that. What? Awesome people referring to me. Awesome wow. people. I, I'm in the same sentence. I'm awesome, Are we being nice touched. to Adrian today? Is that the memo? I wrote a note. Be, be kind to Adrian Fonseca. So that's what I'm trying to do. Okay. Yeah, I like guy. this day. This is a good day. <laughs> I received that in spiritual direction in, in a confessional. Be more kind to Adrian Fonseca. No, I'm teasing. I'm only teasing. Uh, we have a great show lined up today. Uh, of course, we'll have uh, the breaking news and stories. Saint of the day. Gospel of the day. We'll have a what's concerning us section. Lots of doozies in that section today, especially out of the Vatican. There's uh, several stories out of the Vatican we can chat about. Of course, Friday and Saturday was like insane on social media. I mean, there was just a banning and a cleaving of people on platforms. Poll platforms were deep platformed i mean it was it was a pretty intense social media weekend we'll, we'll chat a little bit about that anyway uh and then in our guest segment today we're going to speak with uh susan ciancio from the celebrate life magazine from the american life league about the future of life issues in the next four years of course also gender issues are at play she wrote a blog post over on cl life magazine and uh, we're going to talk to her a little bit about that in this hour if you're at all able to join us for the next hour dr carrie gress will be our conversation in the next hour she published a book by tan called toxic femininity so if you can hang out with us that's great otherwise in this hour jam-packed lots to discuss lots to go over so let's start with prayer Whatever your intentions are, dear listener, we're praying for that as well. Uh, praying for your needs, your family members, uh, materially, financially, spiritually, whatever uh, is on your mind at the moment, your heart. I'm praying for my family. I'm praying for our radio apostolate. I'm praying for uh, Stations of the Cross and Guadalupe Radio Network. I'm praying for our team here, our equipment, and for our show and for you. And let's uh, ask Our Lady to whisper these intentions into the ear of her son. Peace in our country, peace in our communities, and uh, that he may draw us ever so more closely into his most sacred heart. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. 
Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, a virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O mother of the word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And uh, now the headlines with Emily Alcarez. The CDC has reported that over a thousand people have experienced adverse reactions to the new COVID vaccines. The Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, which is managed by the CDC and FDA, received reports that 1,156 total adverse events have occurred. Of those, 17 have been life-threatening and two have led to a permanent disability. Three healthcare workers in Alaska experienced effects such as nausea, tremors, stabbing pain, and wheezing after taking the vaccine. The FDA is warning those who have had previous adverse reactions to vaccines not to get the new COVID vaccines. The alternative social media platform Parler has been suspended by both Apple and Amazon. The development is a major blow for the growing platform, which was the top free app in the Apple App Store at the time of its removal. On Friday, Google removed Parler from the Google Play Store over similar concerns. This means Parler is now unavailable for download on the two most widely used smartphone operating systems. Parler's CEO, John Matze, said, quote, This was a coordinated attack by the tech giants to kill competition in the marketplace. We were too successful, too fast. You can expect the war on competition and free speech to continue, but don't count us out. A Boeing jet with 62 passengers has gone missing. The flight departed from Jakarta for a 90-minute trip to Pontianak in the island of Borneo and lost radio contact. Flight Radar 24, a website that monitors aircraft movements, tracked the plane plunging from 11,000 feet to 200 feet. Indonesian authorities said they have sent several search vessels from Jakarta to the plane's last known location in the Java Sea, believed to be only around 25 meters deep, and divers are preparing to search for the aircraft's black box. First responders were also deployed to the site to aid potential survivors. With the Moda Proprio released early this morning, Pope Francis established that from now on the minor orders of Lecter and Acolyte are to be open to women. Pope Francis has changed the code of canon law to institutionalize what has already been allowed in practice. With the Moda Proprio Spiritus Domini, which modifies the first paragraph of Canon 230 of the Code of Canon Law, Pope Francis therefore establishes that women can have access to the ministries of elector and extraordinary minister, and that they be recognized through a liturgical act formally instituting them as such. The Pope wrote, quote, Within the spectrum of renewal traced out by the Second Vatican Council, the urgency is being ever more felt today to rediscover the co-responsibility of all of the baptized in the Church and the mission of the laity in a particular way. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Monday morning headlines. St. Vitalis of Gaza, pray for us. Born in the latter half of the 6th century in Gaza. Uh, at the age of 60, he was uh, felt called or driven to Alexandria, Egypt. He was a monk, he was a hermit, but he had this call to, of God to go to a bustling city, Alexandria. Now, we're talking 7th century by this point, but he felt the call to help 
prostitutes come out of that life. And he had a very unique, interesting way of going about that. He worked as a day laborer, and the, and he would take his money earned during the day, and he would use it to contract these uh, women at night. Uh, but this time, he would try to uh, pray with them, and and he would offer this opportunity, and he, you know, they would spend the night in prayer. And he would try to share with them the good, the true, and the beautiful, and reasons why they should come out of this life. And he would assist them for whatever difficulties they had. He would try to make himself available to help them overcome those difficulties and leave this lifestyle. And he was, uh, in fact, I think, very successful at this. In fact, some say he was able to, over the course of time, actually visit with every single one in the entire city. Many, in fact, left the life and returned uh, and uh, to a, a, I don't want to say a normal life, but a life of grace versus a life of sin. But in 625, uh, he was assaulted by a man who worked in the business, so to speak, and he was struck in the head with a knife, and it was a, a death blow. But it, not at first. He actually made his way all the way home uh, and he into his little hut, and there he prayed, and he passed peacefully while praying in the night. And he would go on to say, or he didn't go on to say, but he said while he was alive, judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the heart, St. Vitalis. You see, many times during the course of his apostolate did he get accused of engaging in the uh, in the terrible uh, uh, you know acts uh, associated with this business. I'm trying to be very PC here, right? Uh, but in fact, every time he was investigated, he, wasn't, he was cleared. But this statement of light bringing out of the darkness the truth, I think is a very... A uh, good one for our day and our time as we have great anxiety. Uh, we can count on the light of Christ bringing into the light that which is hidden. And St. Vitalis, pray for us. The gospel comes to us from Mark chapter 1, verses 7 through 11. This is what John the Baptist proclaimed. One mightier than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop and loosen the thongs of his sandals. I have baptized you with water. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost. It happened in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized in the Jordan by John. On coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit like a dove descending upon him. And a voice came from the heavens, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, in all things. You know, um, the Venerable Bede said, None but God can bestow the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. And uh, there's a beautiful instance in this passage. You realize it is the Holy Trinity that's uh, made manifest here to us. And John the Baptist is not even worthy to proclaim the depths are, he's not even capable, really, to proclaim the depths of the mystery that is unfolded at this very moment in this passage. It is God himself who is present. It is the Holy Trinity. It is the voice of the Father. It is the Son being baptized. It is the Holy Ghost descending like a dove upon him. It is the kingdom of heaven that is at hand that should shake us to our very core. And uh, I love the fact that Jesus is baptized in the very spot that the Ark of the Covenant crossed over the Jordan and into the Holy Land so many uh, centuries before this moment. 
It is a beautiful passage that we should stop and chew on, meditate. God himself is present among man to do what? To just uh, relate to us? No. It starts there, but it's beyond that. To bring us to where we have to go. And that is into the beatific vision for all eternity. And, uh, and it's, it's an incredible reality that John brings to us. Adrian, what did you get out of this? Yeah, so I thought the I thought what was interesting was uh, talking about the descent of the Holy Ghost on our Lord. See, there was a number of things that uh, St. Thomas talked about in his commentary on this gospel. And one of the things was the fact that the descent of the Holy Ghost as a dove upon our Lord was important because there didn't there needed to be no confusion between who our Lord was talking to whenever God uh, opened up the skies and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. It needed to be certain that we were not talking about John the Baptist because so many people thought that John the Baptist was the Messiah. Even after uh, John the Baptist would come and say, no, I'm not, I'm not worthy to untie his shoes, just like you just said a second ago, um, it was still thought that he would be the Messiah. And so this is why our Lord made it so clear that the beloved Son of God, the Father, is mm. our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's why the dove descended upon him uh, in a physical manifestation. So I thought that was interesting. Of course, there's also great parallels between Genesis chapter 1 and the baptism narratives, where you see the waters of creation in Genesis 1 and the Spirit hovering over those waters. And then the voice speaks and light comes forth and, 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 and land and, and animals and humans in Genesis. Well, you see very similar uh, themes in Mark's gospel here as well. You know, Jesus is, is there in the water being baptized and the, and the Holy Spirit is hovering above these waters. And the word is spoken and life is being poured forth. It's a it's a powerful uh, parallel between the creation narrative and what we see here. But uh, I also recall that this is a, a full immersion baptism. Of, I've never been to the Holy Land, but I'm pretty sure that they were all full of full immersions. And I used to get hung up on that big time in uh, in my uh, coming into the Catholic Church that only full immersion baptisms were were uh, valid. But you know, when you study the early Church, uh, for instance, in the Didache, which is the, the uh, teaching of the apostles, written around 50 or 60 A.D. Tons of copies were found in antiquity. And uh, in, in the Didache, it says, you know, basically, living water, in other words, like a river, that's preferred. But if you don't have living water, you can use other water. Full immersion is great. But you know what? Pouring or sprinkling also can work as well. That goes all the way back to the first century. We even see, uh, you know, uh, digs and finds of ancient churches that had baptismal fonts in them that weren't big enough to fully immerse people, uh, and yet they were still using them for baptism. So, fascinating conversation uh, around baptism uh, I found in the early church. But at any rate, we're going to go to break, we're going to come back, and we're going to have the What's Concerning Us segment. And, uh, I don't know, Emily dug up a couple of more stories before we went on air, so it's like, shake your head, there's so much to talk about. Vaccines and social media uh, banning and, and even financial scandals. There's a lot to talk about. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more Catholic Drive Time coming up next. The 18th century skeptic philosopher David Hume argued the wise man should never believe in miracles because the evidence for what occurs over and over, the regular, always outweighs evidence for what does not, the rare. But is Hume right? Well, no, and here are some reasons why. First, it's not true evidence for uniform experience always outweighs evidence for what is rare. For example, have you experienced any big bangs lately? My guess is no. Does that mean we should reject the Big Bang? 
Of course not. Second, Hume's principle nullifies science itself. How could scientists ever reasonably use new findings to update their understanding of the universe if it's unreasonable to accept what contradicts our uniform experience? The answer is, they couldn't. So are miracles in and of themselves off limits for the wise, as Hume puts it? Absolutely not. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Having trouble with your car radio? No worries. The Guadalupe Radio Network has just released our new version of our app. With the app, you can get a crystal clear connection of your local station no matter where you are. You can also listen to podcasts of past shows and find more ways to connect with us. Getting the new app is easy. Just search the App Store on your phone for the Guadalupe Radio Network and either download it or if you already have it, choose the update option. Happy listening. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. It's so good to be on with you. I don't know, uh, dear listener, I don't know what social sites you hang out on. I don't know how much time you spend on social sites. But Friday was Friday and Saturday was a little a little crazy, reading the uh, the uh, flurry of activity of people being banned, of people mass exiting certain sites. It was crazy, and there is a, a great article out on the Epic Times. We post links to the articles we discuss over on uh, Facebook.com forward slash GRN online, or I also post them on uh, Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Great place to find this stuff. But this uh, parlor CEO, uh, he basically came out and said that they got, I mean, we, Emily, you reported on it in the, in the breaking news, but there was like a, the t- all the pl- major players teamed up on them. So you had iOS taking them off their store, Google Play took them off their store, and then Amazon, whose uh, uh, servers were hosting the site, decided to kick them off. And so now they're totally deplatformed. Now they're, they're working on uh, a new uh, server site. So they're going to be back on the online probably less than a week, probably. But it was so crazy. Did you guys see like the, the flurry of crazy traffic of people talk? Where are you going? I'm going to Gab. Where are you going? I'm going to Telegraph. I'm going to this. I'm going to that. And people were starting to report all of the, like, I lost 50,000 subscribers. I lost, I mean, I think it was, uh, Matt Walsh was saying, I didn't know that there was a competition for losing subscribers, but I'm not sure how, where I'm at in the running. You know? <laughs> yeah. I thought it was hilarious. Matt Walsh said, uh, that he said, you know, I'm perfectly fine with losing followers, but I just like doing it the old fashioned way of making everyone mad at me. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 Yeah. A lot of big names are, are leaving Twitter now because of this. Um, like I know Dan Bongino said he was going to leave Twitter. Yeah. I think. And um, this was just really crazy. I mean, the fact that big tech got scared, Twitter and Huge. Facebook or, or, and Google, they got scared because yeah. they saw the competition. I mean, Parler was the number one top app. People were leaving right. uh, the, the platforms that censor them for this platform that would Give them the freedom of free speech. You know, I was watching also a video of the CEO of Gab, gab Gab.com. So I signed up for Gab over the weekend. Um, I had been on Parler. Like I said, I wasn't 100% sold out yet on Parler, but I had an account. I was posting stuff there. Uh, Now it's it's, it's gone. I don't know what will happen. Uh, Will they data migrate? I I don't know. I hope so. Um, But... I signed up for uh, uh, an account on Gab 
And I watched a little video of the CEO of Gab. And basically, he was saying, listen, we got deplatformed a few years ago. We were forced to build our own servers. We were forced to build our own pay system. We were forced to build our own email system because everyone kicked them off. Um, I've been saying this since 2013. You know, radio is one of the last opportunities, especially from a Catholic perspective, which is the only perspective I truly, really care about, to be honest. Um, it's the last opportunity to reach the masses, unfiltered, to be able to have a voice, you know, in the public space, because these di- we're being pushed digital. Your phone at the house is probably no longer analog. Your phone at the house is probably a digital service uh, as well. So everything is being pushed digital, and in a digital age, we control none of it. We don't get a, we don't get to have a say over the algorithms. But this this CEO at Gab, he was saying that they saw an influx over the last week of fake accounts being created on their platform, and then they're posting to try to incite violence on their platform. He says this was an intentional move to frame Gab to look like they were promoting and, and fanning the flames of violent rhetoric, and they were having to identify these and close them down. The same thing was happening on Parler, by the way, which is part of the reason why uh, these other, like Google and uh, and Amazon, uh, but it's beyond that. Now it's pay systems like Stripe uh, and uh, and Shopify have been banning the president and other people and and all of these conservative voices. If you're listening to listen, if you're listening to us on a radio station right now, support that radio apostolate. Because the, if that goes away and we're, these apostles are forced to deal with digital platforms, the algorithms do not love the messaging. And they block, shut down, and reduce traffic. The ability to reach the masses has never been this hard before. I mean, we were, Adrian and I, you and I were discussing like video platforms. Like YouTube has always been the way. Now, it doesn't seem like that's the way forward. And the algorithm has basically kept us shut off over, uh, for now for a very long time. I, I had... Uh, videos there that were getting tens of thousands of views now nothing nothing almost nothing um do we go to rumble i don't know do we bit shoot do we go to gab tv i'm not sure who knows where's the audience you how know, do you reach what would them? be very helpful from our listeners if y'all would comment on our facebook page and youtube channel wherever we are listening uh, if you're listening on uh, via stream uh, comment, where are you going? Where are you listening at? Because we're trying to figure out where are we supposed to start live streaming to? Uh, what channels should we move towards? What are you using? Please comment in the in there uh, if you can. Thank you. So the uh, Parlor CEO, uh, again, this article is over on the Epic Times. Parlor's website is offline on Monday after Amazon, Apple, Google, and a slew of other companies took action against the social media platform. Users trying to access Parlor were notified that the site couldn't be reached. Parlor CEO John Matz said on Fox's uh, Sunday morning features or futures that companies had colluded to make sure that at the same time we would lose access to not only our apps but they're shutting off the servers tonight off of the internet. Um, he says they made an attempt to kill the apps, but here's the thing: this will only slow them down. 
it makes it more difficult because you can actually still install apps on a Google phone for sure. Uh, I, maybe it's possible on an iOS. I'm, I have no doubt because necessity is the mother of invention, as they say. So some enterprising, uh, uh, you know, uh, person out there is probably going to find a way to have apps installed, even when the, the uh, overlords don't want that to happen. I'm sure somebody will find a way to make it happen. It'll only slow things down. But I think it's just writing on the wall. If you love free speech, I mean, there are, I gotta be honest. Maybe you guys feel differently about this. I, there are a lot of people that I find truly offensive. And I would love to personally deplatform them. But I never will. Even if I had the shot, even if I had the authority and the power to do so, I will not. Why? Because free speech. Because of free speech. Who was it that said, even if I disagree with what you're saying, I will defend until death your right to say it? So what we're seeing is a, and I'm trying to get on Parler right now. It's not working. No, it's gone. It's, it's gone. It's yeah. yeah. They took it off. They shut it. They uh, they shut it off of the Amazon service. So right now, Amazon or Parler is in the uh, in the process of transferring everything to new servers, and we'll be back up. But uh, like I said, the Gab guy, the Gab uh, CEO guy, he said that happened to them year a couple of years ago, and they had to rebuild everything as uh, in house in order to have control over the whole process. And the reality is is Apple, Amazon, Google, they all said, we demand that you censor free speech in order to uh, maintain uh, you know, cooperation with our services. And because you're violating our policies, we're kicking you off. And, but it's funny that they coordinated the effort and did it all at the same time. And I'm reading the headlines here, and they are really trying to politicize this issue. They are trying to, they're calling Parler a Trump fan app. That's not what it is. This is not about politics. It's about free speech. And so we can't let ourselves be dragged into the political turmoil when this is really just about yeah. being able to, so to speak our minds. If you're, if you're listening on a radio network right now, Stations of the Cross or Guadalupe Radio Network, download the mobile apps for that station. Go to the app stores, get them on your phone so you can listen to the station uh, in spite of the, uh, the maybe the reception at this time of day or what have you is harder. Make sure you're on the email list. Uh, make sure you're connected to those apostolates so that they can communicate with you. Now, I know when nobody likes to be harassed or, or the inbox gets cluttered and, you know, listen – I get a billion emails from everyone all day. I ignore most of it, and I pay attention to the stuff that's truly important to me. Um, but it's going to be important that we stay connected to these radio apostolates because it's getting harder and harder, and the censoring is taking an uptick in a very significant way. Um, before we run out of time, I want to transition to a couple of other stories, but we're going to post links to these stories as well. Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Uh, over the weekend, in an interview, LifeSite News is reporting, Pope Francis calls on everyone to take COVID vaccine. It must be done, he says. He says, in an interview scheduled to air Sunday night with the Italian television station, so this was last night, Pope Francis had opined that everyone must take the COVID vaccine. Uh, I believe, he says, quoting Francis, I believe that ethically everyone should take the vaccine, he said, according to the transcript released in advance of the interview. The Pope added that he would be taking the vaccine himself and the Vatican will start administering it to its own citizens next week, remarking that it must be done. Now, you can read the whole article for yourself, but here's the trouble I have with His Holiness and this advice. There's a story 
that came out at the end of last week uh, from the local television uh, station in Florida. Healthy South Florida doctor died two weeks after receiving COVID-19 vaccine. According to reports, 56-year-old doctor passed away two weeks after getting the first dose of the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine. He was healthy, according to the reports, and then all of a sudden, he's not, and he's dead. God rest his soul. We've seen thousands of cases of people having an adverse reaction to the vaccines and a few stories of people actually dying. We have to be careful. You don't want to be on the bleeding edge of technology. And this is a brand new vaccine technology never before used in human history uh, to, to rewrite your DNA. It could be very dangerous to certain amount of people. And those certain amount of people should know before they get. And they have to do that research and work with their doctors to do that. And so, I mean, again, it just I give pause here to read these comments from His Holiness to say, if everybody just blindly got this, how many more might be injured or, or in fact, worse, die as a result? Because... We felt like we had to, like it was, we had this moral obligation to go do this and run out and get it without stopping talking to our doctors and finding out what could, what might we be allergic to that might cause us even greater difficulty because the solution cannot be worse than the problem. Um, so I, I don't know. I took pause by that. Of course, we also heard the story over the weekend about, um, uh, there was some reports, rumors were flying around about the blackout of the Vatican and the Vatican and the, the Pope was going to be arrested. Of course, it's all false. None of it was true. There was a blackout, but the whole arrest story was complete fake news. Uh, but that was flying over the social uh, media platforms like crazy. Yeah, Do you not, see that? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure where people were getting that from because I tried to find articles on it and it's it sounds like a rumor. I have no idea where people got this. Yeah, it was a little insane to see a lot of the stuff flying over the weekend, but uh, at any at any rate. I'm glad I was on retreat. <laughs> deep breath. You know, maybe life would be more peaceful without social media. Hmm. Have we thought of that? I wonder. Uh, anyway, there's, so we're posting links to that story as well. Um, but I, I don't know. I think the hysteria is going to remain remain at a high pace for... I don't know, at least a few more weeks until the transition happens. What do you think, Emily? Do you think the, the, the intensity of our situation will remain high? I think so. I mean, I don't see, I don't see how we can um, make it any – it just seems to be getting more and more intense. I don't know how we would change that. Peace and prayer. Focus on Christ and heaven. We're not meant for this world, so if this world is not going to uh, play fair, well, then <laughs> let the world have – have itself. I want heaven. We're only pilgrims on the journey. So stick around. We're going to have a conversation after the break with Susan Ciancio uh, from the CL Life magazine. But first, more breaking news and stories. All that coming up on the other side of this short break. Catholic Drive Time. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. How many times have you heard the complaint that church is boring, that we just do the same things over and over again? Well, the problem is not that church is boring, it's that we are bored. We are the problem. And not just with church, but with everything else. We have lost our childlike sense of wonder. G.K. Chesterton says that children have abounding vitality, and yet they want things repeated and unchanged. They always say, do it again, and the grown-up person does it until he's nearly dead. For grown-up people are not strong enough to exult in monotony, but perhaps God is strong enough to exult in monotony. It's possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun. 
And every evening, do it again to the moon. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org Having trouble with your car radio? No worries. The Guadalupe Radio Network has just released our new version of our app. With the app, you can get a crystal clear connection of your local station no matter where you are. You can also listen to podcasts of past shows and find more ways to connect with us. Getting the new app is easy. Just search the App Store on your phone for the Guadalupe Radio Network and either download it or if you already have it, choose the update option. Happy listening. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. It's so good to be with you. Speaking of uh, staying connected, if you could do us a favor and make sure that you're connected to our podcast uh, version of the show, you can find that at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Now, while we're still able to, we're posting on YouTube. We have a Catholic Drive Time YouTube channel uh, where we're posting individual highlights of the interviews, Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, that kind of thing. If you could check that out, make sure to give it a like and a thumbs up or a a share, rather. That would really help us out. Uh, Of course, we're going to start looking at other platforms. In fact, we're going to have a strategic meeting after the show today to talk about maybe Rumble, or Gab TV. I don't know. If you want to reach out and let us know what platforms you watch videos on, that might help us to make some decisions on where to post and where to create uh, opportunities for content placement. So at any rate, check us out online, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, or even on Instagram. And I was posting on Parlor, but who knows when that'll be back. But keep us in mind. Make sure you stay plugged in, subscribe. But more breaking stories and headlines now with Emily Alcarez. Law enforcement officials have opened at least 25 domestic terrorism cases related to the January 6th breach of the U.S. Capitol building. Four people were confirmed dead on Capitol grounds late last Wednesday after violent protesters breached the Capitol building. According to Representative Jason Crow of the Armed Services Committee, the Pentagon made several attempts to offer National Guard resources to the Washington, D.C. Metropolitan Police and U.S. Capitol Police before the breach. The department repeatedly were told no additional resources were needed. Mayor Muriel Bowser has called on the Department of Homeland Security to increase security measures ahead of Biden's inauguration. Nancy Pelosi announced that the House is taking up a resolution to impeach President Donald Trump for the second time in less than two years. Pelosi said that Democratic leaders on Monday will request unanimous consent for a separate resolution urging Vice President Mike Pence to convene the cabinet to invoke the 25th Amendment to the Constitution to declare the president incapable of executing the duties of his office. More than 200 House Democrats have signed on to co-sponsor an impeachment resolution accusing Trump of incitement of insurrection and says he engaged in high crimes and misdemeanors by willfully inciting violence against the government of the United States in in connection with the storming of the Capitol Wednesday by throngs of his supporters. In a recent Italian interview, the Holy Father said he would be vaccinated against the coronavirus as early as this week, calling it a life-saving ethical obligation and the refusal to do so suicidal. The Pope said he felt, quote, ethically everyone should receive the vaccine. He added that in not taking the vaccine, people were not only putting their own health at risk, but also that of others. Pope Francis went on to say that people who refused to take the vaccine when it was known to be safe possessed a suicidal denialism. The Holy Father also recently said the storming of the U.S. Capitol astonished him and should be condemned. 
The Bible in a Year podcast with Father Mike Schmitz is the number one podcast in the nation. The podcast produced by Ascension Press features a Catholic priest reading and analyzing scripture and has been at the top of the Apple podcast charts since January 2nd, ahead of secular podcasts produced by the New York Times, NBC News, and NPR. The success of the podcast took both Father Mike Schmitz and Matthew Pinto, CEO of Ascension Press, by surprise. Pinto said in an interview, quote, We knew it was going to be a great program, but clearly this has struck a nerve beyond what we expected. Our first thought was that, for some reason, God has anointed this particular project. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Monday morning headlines. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Thank you, Emily, for keeping us up to date. But I wanted to mention, before we jump into our conversation here, uh, there was another breaking story. Bree Dale reported on her blog that uh, there was a, uh, I guess it was leaked, I think it was a leaked uh, image of a, an official letter from Cardinal uh, Petrolin, uh, Vatican Secretary of State, who is apparently at the center of the failed London uh, investment, the property in, in London that uh, failed miserably and a lot of money was lost. Uh, so he was at the center of that. Well, reminded me because we're going to have a conversation with Edward Penton tomorrow about the status of the uh, scandal on the finances out of the Vatican. So look forward to that conversation in this hour tomorrow morning with Edward Penton. But joining us right now by Zoom chat is uh, uh, Susan Ciancio from, uh, she's the editor of American Life League and the editor of Celebrate Life magazine. Also also serves as executive editor for American Life League's Culture of Life Studies program, an educational nonprofit program for K through 12 students. Writes a few times for Human Life International and for Catholic Mom. Good morning, Susan. Thanks for being a part of our program. Morning, Jay. Uh, pr- uh, hopefully your internet. Hopefully your internet will uh, will will work out. It g- sounds like it was broken up there a little bit. But Susan, uh, I was sent uh, a link yeah, to. Yeah, I'm your- not quite sure what's going on. I was sent a link. Sorry? Uh, it seems like there's a delay here. Uh, Susan, I may ask you to call us at 877-757-9424 so that you can uh, be a part of the program by phone, maybe, and that might help. But uh, in the meantime, I'll set up the blog post that uh, I was sent over on uh, clmagazine.org. Again, we'll post links to it on our on our Facebook feed. Um, and it was a commentary on the Amen story that we was reported here and many other outlets reported about that prayer that was uh, that ended the Democrat from Missouri ended it with amen and a women and that was well talked about <laughs> it was even memed many times um, but I think it's a symptom of a greater problem and as we look into the next four years I think with a Biden presidency a Catholic even we we should be looking forward to a growth in pro-life issues, uh, but instead we're looking, I think, more difficult days for pro-life issues, for gender issues, and all kinds of other things. Uh, Susan, um, what do you think for the next four years? I think we might have lost Susan. All right, so uh, Susan's probably going get to us, get us on by phone because it looks like her internet is having some issues there. So we're going to ask Susan to jump on a phone line, and that way we can have a conversation with her by phone. Uh, Susan Ciancio from American Life League and from uh, the CL Magazine. So we're going to post, as I said, a link to it. But I, I'm concerned because if, and according to this blog post from Susan, she says, though Biden claims to be Catholic, his actions prove otherwise, especially when he says things like, as president, I'll codify Roe v. Wade and protect a woman's constitutional right to choose. Um, you know, and I agree. I think that's a major concern for us. 
uh, I'm, did am I not mistaken? Did uh, President uh, the President like Biden? Didn't he not say that he would continue the struggle against the little sisters of the poor? Yeah, he did. He confirmed that, and <laughs> which is ironic because you know when he was campaigning, he was he literally had a, a campaign commercial where he talked about how influential Catholic religious sisters were in his own life and how he admired them so much. And then you know he turned around and continued to fight against the little sisters of the poor and their defense of the dignity of life. Um, and I think that's very concerning. We're trying to get Susan Ciancio on the line. We're having some trouble with her internet, so we're, we're asking her to call our landline so that she... Yeah, I'm sorry, Joe. If you could send me your phone number again, I didn't hear it. Okay, yeah, Susan. Okay, I got it. Right now, it seems like we have some connection with you, but we sent you the uh, phone yeah, okay, number. I'll give you a call. Okay, wonderful. Um, Susan Ciancio is with the American Life League, and um, it's an opportunity to have a conversation about what we can do around the next four years. Now, it's from all appearances, we're going to have, for the first time ever in American history, Catholics at the helm of all three branches. Am I not mistaken? Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Biden's Catholic. Biden. Uh, Nancy Pelosi's Catholic. Uh, we have uh, John Roberts. Isn't he Catholic? Yep. I, I, do, I wasn't aware of that. correct. So, and the majority wow. of the Supreme Court is Catholic. So you would think... That's kind of sad. You would think that under these circumstances, this would be great news, right? We would be able to support life, and we would be able to support even some of the other uh, social justice issues. They'd be wonderful, but at the same time, we're seeing kind of the contrary in all this. So that's why we've asked Susan Ciancio to be on with us. Susan, are you there on phone? I'm here, Joe. I'm so sorry about that. I don't know what the problem is. Usually my internet is spot on. No, no worries. Praise God. Uh, so... All right, so I've set up the conversation. Let's look into the future, the next four years, under a Biden presidency. What do you see in relation to not just the gender issues that we're seeing there under this, in the guise of this prayer that was said, but also uh, with the life issues in general? Well, and that, that is a huge concern. As you look at some of uh, who he's said would be on his cabinet, so, for instance, he's he's got the governor of Rhode Island who he has appointed or will appoint to be his commerce secretary. She has legalized abortion up until birth. Um, his chief of staff is somebody who claims to be a soldier in the army of NARAL. Um, hmm. He his labor secretary is Marty Walsh or will be Marty Walsh, who claims to be a pro-abortion Catholic. So he's surrounding himself with people who really have no regard for preborn life. That, as a Catholic, I'm shocked by that. This is another Catholic we're talking about. We just mentioned a minute ago you were trying to dial in at the time, but this is the first time in American history that all three branches of government will be helmed or led by Catholics. And yet we see uh, a very blatant opposition to the pro-life issue here uh, amongst all three, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, John Roberts, you could argue a little bit, I suppose, but clearly he's been siding on the uh, on the opposite side of the judicial bench in the last uh, several Supreme Court cases. Um, does that give you any concern or pause? Uh, how, have you ever thought about that, that uh, these Catholics are leading the way, and yet the, instead of supporting life, it seems to be quite the contrary? Oh, absolutely. Yes, it that's not the definition of being Catholic. I mean, as Catholics, we are supposed to respect all life. Hold and that. I gotta, we... I'm going to ask you to hold that thought. I know okay. you just jumped on, but we're going to take a short break. We're talking with Susan Ciancio from American Life League and CL Magazine. 
We'll have more conversation on the other side of this break. Don't go anywhere. Catholic Drive Time has got more on the way. We'll be right back. Is your spouse not quite the spouse you want him or her to be? Does it seem as though you will never get them trained? How many times do you have to complain to get something done? Why won't they listen? St. Ignatius of Loyola once said, Let the Creator deal with the creature. Ask yourself, How many times have I given my spouse to God and let him deal with him or her? That's actually the best remedy for those irritating things that you so badly want changed in your spouse. Let the Creator deal with the creature. Lay those complaints on the altar and walk away. Don't go back and get them. Leave them there. You will be pleasantly surprised to see the changes, especially the changes in yourself. This has been a minute for your marriage and family from the Three Hearts Institute. Check us out on Facebook and Parlor. The universe is filled with order from top to bottom. It's a beautiful order, and not only is it beautiful, it's order that we can actually comprehend. And it's almost as if we have been made to be able to comprehend that order in the universe, to be able to contemplate it so that we can see maybe that purpose behind it. Please visit Father Spitzer's website, magiscenter.com, to watch this beautiful and important video about purpose and God's creation. That's magiscenter.com. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McLean. We're talking with Susan Ciancio from uh, clmagazine.org and American Life League. And we're talking about uh, you know, looking down the road and just being kind of disappointed in the fact that for the first time ever, we should be celebrating the, the fact that Catholics are in charge of three branches of government. And yet we feel like we have a fight in front of us. Susan, um, what kind of fight do we have, in fact? And what do you, are we hopeful? Do we think we can actually have progress under these circumstances? Or will we face a setback? Susan Ciancio. Well, we can always have hope. That's definitely um, something we should always hold on to. We should never stop fighting for the right to life and the right for um, preborn babies to, to be born to have respect for the disabled and the ill and the elderly and everyone. But when you see some of the laws that could be implemented, sure, we we have the occasion to pause and to wonder, um, especially when you see organizations like Planned Parenthood, who back in September issued a list of demands for the first 90 days of Biden's presidency. You know, it's almost like... They expect these demands to be to be done. Um, so it's really difficult to have hope, but we must. And even in some of the smaller, you know, within the states, we we can see that there might be a lot of change mm. uh, with some of the state and local governments rather than on a national scale. So what is your biggest advice for the faithful during these times? You know, what, what are the things we can do? Uh, what, should we, what, should, what should we be doing in the days and weeks and months to come? Well, I think one of the most important things to do is to educate your family, educate your friends, educate the people who are around you within your parish, within your community, 
And that is what the Culture of Life Studies program intends to do with its programs. We have so many uh, lessons that teach about the sanctity of life and that teach about the sanctity of marriage and that give people the heroes and the examples of people to emulate, not just saints, because we have lots of different lessons on saints, but also Mary and Joseph and people who have made a difference in the pro-life movement, Nellie Gray, Mildred Mm -hmm. Faye Jefferson. And when we educate ourselves and the people around us and talk about the people who have made a difference, that encourages us to also make a difference in people's lives. And when we affect change on a smaller scale, it's, it's going to have the ripple effect. Susan, I'm looking at this article you wrote about Nellie Gray and Dr. Mildred Faye Jefferson, and I'm realizing that I've never heard these names before. Um, and can you talk a little bit about why, why it's important to find heroes who are pro-life and to uh, teach our families about And can you also tell us a little bit about Nellie Gray and Dr. Jefferson? Sure. Well, Nellie Gray was the woman who started the March for Life. Mm. She was so uh, dismayed and disgusted about Roe v. Wade that she and her friends got together and said, we can't sit quietly. We have to make a difference. And you see what they've done every year for 48 years now. People get together in Washington, D.C., and they march for life. And it's a peaceful protest. It's saying, hey, we are here and we're not going away because this matters to us. And along those same lines, Mildred Say Jefferson was an African-American woman born at a time when there was still a lot of prejudice. She was the first black woman to graduate from Harvard Medical School. Hmm. She had a master's degree in biology. She understood that the preborn baby is a baby. This is not just a, a clump of cells that some people try to pass it off as. And she really worked hard to explain that to people and to teach people. We're talking with uh, Susan Ciancio from CL Magazine, CL Life Magazine, uh, and American Life League. Um, Now, Susan, in the life issues, we've seen a lot of progress over the, at least the last decade. We've seen tremendous, uh, you know, movement in the right direction so many great things were happening more and more people were really coming out in in favor of life and we've seen uh, some great traction on capitol hills all over the country and it's been wonderful to see on the gender issues though it seems like we're going in the other direction um do you see uh, how do you see that contrast and what do you see for the next four years in that regard um well you know, it's hard to determine what Biden will will do as far as gender issues. You know, I, I wrote about that silly amen, a woman ending to the prayer. And, <laughs> you, you know, it, it, it's almost comical, but at the same time, it's very sad mm-hmm. because we are all human beings. And, you know, anybody who has any kind of... Um, Anybody who is worried about whether they're, gosh, the people who are very concerned about the hatred of women, and and I hear that a lot with the abortion issue, Mm -hmm. is that pro-lifers don't respect women, and that is so far from the truth. 
we love the women, we take care of the women, and that's another myth as well, that when you don't, you know, when you've said that the woman should have a baby and she has a baby, then we don't take care of them anymore. And that's not true. There are so many pregnancy care centers and there are so many programs that help take care of the woman and the baby afterward. And they try to make it an issue to say that women aren't equal, but women don't have to be the same as men. Women and men should be treated fairly and well and, of course, all of that. But women and men were created as complementary. They don't have to be exactly the same. And when they use all of this different language to try to make men and women the same, it's really doing a disservice to both men and women. Yeah. I mean, we reported last week that uh, Tulsi Gabbard even uh, criticized her own party because in uh, for the party that should be standing up for women, you're removing the biological differences, uh, and therefore it is not in support of women. Uh, I mean, just look at the issues of uh, the, the sports, right? Uh, people who, uh, men who biologically who self-identify as women are now competing in women's support sports and dominating. I mean, how, f- how is that fair in any sense of the term whatsoever? Uh, let alone the actual harm it does to the people who suffer through, uh, gender dysphoria or have these confusions because suicide rates are high, uh, depression <laughs> are high, abuse and alcoholism is high in the, in those, in that category of people. And it's, it's a terrible thing. These things are aren't good for these humans uh and if we if we don't have the ability to speak out to in charity for love of their souls for love of them as human beings try to help them to reach out to them if we're branded somehow as as bigots or or what have you then uh what is that future going to look like it feels more dystopian every day to i think a lot of americans uh susan what say you i i agree and I echo your sentiments about the people who have these kinds of gender dysphoria issues. Um, We should have compassion for them and love them just like we would love any other person. But allowing somebody who was biologically male who now lives as a female to compete is unfair to them and is unfair to the women that they're competing against. You can change some outward signs. You can change some of your hormones, but you cannot change the fact that you are biologically male. There are so many components. I mean, it's in every part of your DNA. You cannot change the fact that you are male. And in a lot of sports, for instance, men can, they are stronger, their body structures are different. There's a lot of advantages that they could have over women. And we saw this with a case of um, some track stars. In Mm -hmm. high school, um, up in the Northeast, I don't remember where. And there was a a young girl who had been, you know, top in her school. And she missed out on winning track meets because this other person who was male then, you know, identified as female and was on the track team. And he won. Mm -hmm. He beat her because he was physically different and, and physically more powerful than she was. And she even missed out on getting a, a scholarship because... Wow. That's... So it's, it's very sad, and it's, it's not healthy. No. 
We're talking with uh, Susan Ciancio. We have a few minutes left in our conversation with her. She is with American Life League and editor at, at Celebrate Life Magazine. I think it's clmagazine.org is the website. Again, we're posting yeah. links to what we're talking about over on our live video feed over at facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. You should check that out. Um, but in the last couple of minutes, where do we go from here? Uh, how is American Life League or CL Magazine addressing any of these issues in the f- coming years and months? Well, we do have um, lots of wonderful staff members. Our um, executive director, Jim Sedlak, works to fight Planned Parenthood, and he works with groups throughout the country to fight uh, sex education in the school mm. and to fight their um, demands regarding contraception. Uh, Judy Brown works really hard at getting the word out and trying to convince people, uh, lay and clergy, uh, especially priests and bishops, to talk to parishioners and to talk to the people about these life issues because sometimes the pulpits are silent. You know, you. It's Mm -hmm. very rare to find a priest who will talk about abortion or euthanasia or any of these kinds of issues in the pulpit, and you wonder why. Mm -hmm. So part of their effort... I'm sorry, Susan. That music means we've got to go. I I apologize that it was more difficult today than it ought to have been with the internet connection, but we are glad you jumped on by phone. Uh, Susan Ciancio from clmagazine.org and American Life League. God bless you and God love you. Thank you for being on today. Thank you, Joe. Have a great day. You as well. Praise be to God. Uh, That's going to do it for the first hour. Don't forget you can always find the podcast version on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. If you want the individual conversation pieces, I recommend going to YouTube, searching for Catholic Drive Time. You'll find them posted later this morning there. But in the next hour, if you can join us, we're going to have the game show. We've got new prizes this week to offer. We're super excited about that. Got the phone lines fixed. And Dr. Kerry Grass will talk about toxic femininity all coming up in the next hour if you can join us. God bless you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Bible says to call no man father. So why do we call our priests father? In Matthew 23, verse 9, it says, And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Notice that this verse makes no distinction between spiritual fathers, which is what priests are, and biological fathers. This passage says that no man is to be called father. Therefore, you cannot distinguish between calling a priest father and calling the man who is married to your mother father. But is that actually what this passage is saying? Or is Jesus warning us against trying to usurp the fatherhood of God, which is what the Pharisees and scribes were doing? They wanted all attention focused on them. They were leaving God, the Father, out of the equation. And even if you just interpret this passage from Matthew 23 as an absolute ban against calling anyone your spiritual father, then there are some problems for you in the rest of Scripture. For example, Jesus in the story of Lazarus and the rich man in Luke 16 has the rich man referring to Abraham as father several times. 
Paul in Romans 4 refers to Abraham as the father of the uncircumcised, the Gentiles. Spiritual fatherhood, not biological fatherhood. In Acts 7 and then in Acts 22, first Stephen and then Paul referred to the Jewish priests and elders as brothers and fathers. Spiritual fatherhood. So if you interpret Matthew 23 as saying we cannot call anyone our spiritual father, then you have to believe that Jesus, Paul, and Stephen all got it wrong. It is okay to call priests our spiritual fathers today. We are simply imitating the example given us by Jesus, Paul, and Stephen, all of whom who used the term in a spiritual sense. As long as we remember that our true father is God the Father and that all aspects of our fatherhood, biological and spiritual, are derived from him. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Can you tell me the three little pig story? Three little pigs were listening to Catholic Radio on the GRN and heard that the GRN was raffling off a 2021 Mercedes-Benz GLA 250. So they went to grnonline.com, bought five tickets for $100, and waited for their name to be drawn at the end. So, who's your favorite GRN station manager? I like them all, but especially Joe McClain. Confessions at 5. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean, it's so good to be on with you. Praise be to God. How was your uh, weekend? Was it good? Were you rested? Were you stressed? I mean, uh, you know, we almost got snow where I live in Houston, Texas. I mean, just north of us, there was snow on the ground. Uh, so it's uh, it's a pretty interesting world we live in. Literally got- everywhere in Texas except Houston. <laughs> good morning, Adrian. Literally, well, there was snow in Texas. I mean, uh, it was. My kids were excited. Unfortunately for us, it just became slush. Uh, and like uh, ice, not really snow. But God is so very good. Uh, Emily, good morning to you. Good morning, Joe. How's your weekend? Praise God, I'm alive, and that counts. Yes, um, it does. Yeah. So we got we did some cleaning at the house because we're gonna have our priest come over for and do an Epiphany blessing. We're super excited about that. That's, That's always super fun. exciting. I love doing that. Yes. So, Amen. I uh, I went on a retreat this weekend with uh, a youth group that I volunteer for, and really, it was exhausting, but also very edifying. And our, our teens are under so much spiritual attack nowadays. Really, they're facing so many obstacles, so... Yeah, we need to pray for them. Well, I'm glad you did that. Praise God! It's, it's nice to see that in a in the in the crazy world we live in, retreats are still happening. Praise God for that. That's yeah. amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So on this show, this hour, I'm so glad, dear listener, that you're hanging out with us this hour. Praise God. We'll have breaking stories and news for you uh, coming up here in just a moment. Of course, Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, that's all coming up. And the Catholic Trivia Game Show. And we have new prizes this week. Last week, we had the Mega Prize. That was fun. And then, of course, we had phone problems on Friday. <laughs> of course, we did. Apologies again for yes. that. <laughs> but we fi- I think we fixed it. Uh, so if we haven't fixed it, I promise you, I will keep Adrian completely accountable for that. I will, I will restrict his food and water intake. I thought for we were being nice to Adrian today. A week. And that was just the first hour. Oh, just okay. first hour. Okay. Oh, thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who are who's our sponsor this week? Emily? This week our sponsor sponsor sorry is Tan Books, and they're giving away a twenty book children's set. 
Speaking of Tan, so that's kind of cool. Children's yeah. books are going to be the prize this week. But Tan, we have Dr. Carrie Gress on this hour. I'm so excited. She's got a book called Anti-Mary, Toxic Femininity. So uh, that's coming out. It's published by uh, Tan, but we'll be having that conversation with her later in this hour. So stick around for that. So lots to do this hour on Catholic Drive Time. We're so glad you're part of it. Let's begin with prayer. Whatever your prayer intentions are, we're going to unite yours to ours. I'm I'm praying for my family. I'm praying for this team. I'm praying for our equipment to function properly and for our show to to go very well this hour. And whatever your intentions are, and of course, we're playing for, praying for peace in our country and uh, in the world around us, and God's will be done in all things. Let's ask Our Lady to whisper them into the ear of her Son, that he may draw us ever so more closely into his most sacred heart. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now the headlines with Emily Alcarez. The CDC has reported that over a thousand people have experienced adverse reactions to the new COVID vaccines. The Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, which is managed by the CDC and FDA, received reports that 1,156 total adverse events had occurred. Of those, 17 were life-threatening and two led to permanent disability. Three healthcare workers in Alaska experienced effects such as nausea, tremors, stabbing pain, and wheezing after taking the Pfizer vaccine. The FDA is warning those who have had previous adverse reactions to the vaccine not to get the new COVID ones. The alternative social media platform Parler has been suspended by both Apple and Amazon. The development is a major blow for the growing platform, which was the top free app in the Apple App Store at the time of its removal. On Friday, Google removed Parler from the Google Play Store over similar concerns. This means Parler is now unavailable for download on the two most widely used smartphone operating systems. Parler CEO John Matz said, quote, This was a coordinated attack by the tech giants to kill competition in the marketplace. We were too successful, too fast. You can expect the war on competition and free speech to continue, but don't count us out. A Boeing jet with 62 passengers has gone missing. The flight departed from Jakarta for a 90-minute trip to Pontianak on the island of Borneo and lost radio contact. Flight Radar 24, a website that monitors aircraft movements, tracked the plane plunging from 11,000 to 200 feet. Indonesian authorities said they have sent several search vessels from Jakarta to the plane's last known location in the Java Sea, believed to be only around 25 meters deep, and divers are preparing to search for the aircraft's black box. First responders were also deployed to the site to aid potential survivors. With a moda proprio released early this morning, Pope Francis established that from now on, the minor orders of lector and acolyte are to be open to women. Pope Francis has changed the code of canon law to institutionalize what has already been allowed in practice. With the moda proprio Spiritus Domini, which modifies the first paragraph of Canon 230 of the Code of Canon Law, the Holy Father therefore establishes that women can have access to the ministries of lector and extraordinary minister, 
and that they be recognized through a liturgical act formally, formally instituting them as such. The Pope wrote, quote, Within the spectrum of renewal traced out by the Second Vatican Council, the urgency is being ever more felt today to rediscover the co-responsibility of all of the baptized in the Church and the mission of the laity in a particular way. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Monday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Saint Vitalis of Gaza, pray for us. Born in the 6th century, uh, but he was a hermit, he was a monk in the Gaza region. Um, but at 60 years old, he felt the call to go to Alexandria, Egypt, a thriving city, one of the biggest in the in the, uh, in the area. Now, he had a particular apostolate. He felt God was calling him to help to uh, save women from working in prostitution. And he had a very unique, let's just say, way of going about that. I'm going to try to be as PC here as I can, okay? But he worked as a day laborer. And he would earn the money as a laborer. He would then use the money to uh, to uh, hire the, an opportunity to speak with these women. And he would spend the night with them in prayer. For those that would listen, he would give them the money, but he would have to pray with them. And he would try to help them come out of that lifestyle. Whatever their challenges were, whatever you know circumstances, he would try to help them find ways of overcoming that. But it was through the power of prayer. That and, uh, and his sacrifice for these women that he was able to, in many cases, bring many of these ladies out of this lifestyle. Uh, however, there were many uh, accusations lobbied against him because he would not let these ladies say or share what they did, right? So he was, he didn't want them just telling because he wanted the opportunity to meet these new women, to find these other ladies and to help those ladies too. So he didn't want them sharing amongst each other what actually occurred. So they weren't allowed to say, hey, we were praying. We were, you know, we were, uh, you know, conversing about the gospel, about our Lord, none of that. So there were lots of accusations and charges were levied against him. But in every case, he was found innocent of all of these charges. Now, uh, he was able to reach, some say, every single lady in the city of Alexandria before he was, uh, he, before he died. In fact, in 625 AD, he was attacked by a gentleman working in that business with a knife. And he, he was, he didn't want this person meddling in his business and, and sort of disrupting the flow of economy, let's say. Kind of reminded me a little bit of Saint Paul who cast out the demon from the fortune teller and it upset everything, right? It ruined the whole economy. Well, something similar happened here with Saint Vitalis of Gaza. He was attacked with a knife. Now, he did make it back to his hut, and he apparently died peacefully in prayer. Uh, now, he did write one thing that I think is very pertinent to our times of darkness. He says, judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the heart. St. Vitalis of Gaza, pray for us. Now the gospel, it comes to you from Mark chapter 1, verses 7 through 11. This is what John the Baptist proclaimed. One mightier, mightier than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop and loosen the thongs of his sandals. I have baptized you with water. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost. It happened in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized in the Jordan by John. 
On coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit like a dove descending upon him. And a voice came from the heavens, You are my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. The Venerable Bede said, None but God can bestow the Holy Ghost. And I think that should be a realization. And it was St. Gregory the Great who said, John the Baptist couldn't even begin to proclaim the depths of the actual mystery with which he was heralding. That of the Trinity. Because it's God the Father's voice. It's God the Son being baptized. And it's God the Holy Ghost who descends like a dove. And all three are present there. The power of that should shake you to your boots because it is the kingdom of God that is at hand. And it re- we realize in the process that we are called to something greater. We aren't called to this world. We are passing through this world. So as much as we want to hold on, white-knuckle this thing, and hold on as tight as we can to what we have, and just we, we need this thing to work the way we need it to work, and, and we want things to go back to, quote, normal, unquote, and, and just everything be fine. The reality is, that's not our mission, and that's not our calling. Our calling is to make it to heaven and to, to bring as many people as possible with us. And, uh, and I think John the Baptist realizes the, the gravity of what he is actually proclaiming here, the Holy Trinity itself, the kingdom of God itself. It's, it's a powerful uh, instance here. Uh, Adrian, what did you get? Yeah, so I thought the the interesting point here for me was St. Thomas notes that at the baptism of our Lord, something very interesting happens. The descent of the Holy Ghost, the, a dove descends upon our Lord. Now, we know that our Lord, like, the, the Holy Spirit is not uh, a dove. It's not like, so you're not going to, if you grab a random dove off the street, it's not going to be the Holy Ghost. But the our Lord decided to appear as the Holy Ghost and descend upon our Lord. Uh, why is that? Because St. Thomas notes that, at the time, people were very confused. They thought that uh, Saint John the Baptist was the Messiah. They were convinced that this was uh, that this was true. Even after he would say it over and over again, they would uh, tell him that he would say, "No, no, no, I'm not the Messiah. I'm not the Messiah. I'm preparing the way for the Messiah." They would did they would uh, have that happen in that way. And so uh, our Lord has the Holy Ghost to send upon him as a dove to have no confusion that when God the Father opens up the skies and says, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased, there would be no confusion that he's referring to Jesus Christ and not uh, John the Baptist. Amen. Praise be to God. Uh, just what an opportunity we have today. No matter the difficulties and struggles that we all face, uh, the scandals, whether they're in the church or without the church. Uh, or just the fact that we have the most, probably the most divided nation in our, in the history since the Civil War. Well, we still have an opportunity to proclaim the good, the true, and the beautiful in our life today and help to, uh, to pe- other people to realize that the kingdom of God is at hand and we must make decisions. We must make choices to live our life according to that, to have great peace. Peace in our hearts that no matter what, we are sojourners on the way to heaven. But uh, all right, so speaking of great voices coming from this guy, uh, guess what's coming? The, uh, the trivia game show is coming up next. And praise God, it's a wonderful opportunity to win some new prizes. Now, Emily, we have a new sponsor this week. Who's our sponsor? That's right. 
That's right. This week, our sponsor is Tan Books, and they're giving away a 20 set of children's books. So this is actually valued at over $200, but it's also on sale at tanbooks.com for $96 right now. So you're going to want to check this out. And not, not to mention, Dr. Carrie Gress will be our conversation later in this hour. And she has a book called The Anti-Mary that talks about toxic femininity, and it's published by Tan. So we'll, we'll be speaking with Carrie Gress uh, as well. But the game show, the nice opportunity here is... The first caller gets to be the contestant. Now, I know on Friday we, we plug the number and we're like, how come we're not getting calls? Uh, that's because the phone system needed to be rebooted. And I think we we tested it before the show. Should I be checked all set. it this morning. So if you call 877-757-9424, we have this phone's working. I checked it this morning. So call 877-757-9424 and it'll work. You promise. Uh, maybe. <laughs> it's on Adrian if it doesn't. Right. So I have three questions in my hand. Uh, so three opportunities to get into the coffee cup of divine providence. First caller, call right now and you get to be the contestant at 877-757-9424. If you call right now, you get to be the contestant at 877-757-9424. Prizes are involved and you don't even need to know the answers to these questions. It's that simple. 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Protestants like to use James 2, 10-11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 1.15 he affirms it, saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. The point James is making in James 2.10-11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. So James 2.10-11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children, developed the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the fullness of Christian faith and the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome home. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host... 
Joe McClain. I just love that intro. Welcome back to uh, Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show, where you get to work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. And uh, I, by the way, I stole that line completely. If you can, if you're on uh, one of these social video feeds, especially on the Facebook side, facebook.com forward slash GRN online or CD or Catholic Drive Time. Tell me where I stole that from, and I may throw you in the cup just as a little thank you. So, where did I steal that line? Fear and trembling working it. Don't Google it. You got to just comment where I got that, and then I might throw you into the uh, coffee cup of divine providence. So, this is how it works. I've got three questions, three opportunities to win uh, the prize this week, uh, and every right question goes into the coffee cup of divine providence, and we'll pull out a winner on Friday. But I don't ask the caller the question. No, and Instead, I ask Emily, I ask Adrian. One of them has the right answer. The other has the wrong answer. The caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to decide who they want to go with, Emily or Adrian. And uh, and from there, it's all about getting into the coffee cup of divine providence. And uh, with that, I, uh, who's our sponsor again this week? So... Our sponsor for the week is Tan Books, and they are giving away their Mary Fabian Wendette Lives of the Saints book set. So this is a set of children's books, 20 books. It's valued at over $200. So if you have children, grandchildren, if you're a teacher, if your church needs books for their religious education program, you're going to want to call in to win this prize. And it's also on sale on their website for $96. That's tanbooks.com. Wow. It's a $96 value. That's a pretty good on, deal. That's on sale. When it's not on sale, it's two hundred and twenty-six. It's a two hundred. Last week was the mega prize, and it was one hundred and fifty. It's two hundred dollar value this week. This is the double mega prize. Wow, <laughs> that's a huge deal. Mm-hmm. Two hundred dollar value that we're giving away this week. That's that's huge. That's big. All right. Speaking of that, I want to thank everybody who called in. We actually, the phone lines work today. Praise God. So we had a, a bunch of calls come in, and I want to thank you for, for calling in and trying to be on the game show today. We're very grateful to you. But in fact, it was Joni uh, who called in and was uh, our first con- caller, so our contestant in today's game show. Joni, good morning to you. Thank you for being on the program. Good morning. Where are you from, Joni? Rockville. Where? Rockville, Maryland. Maryland. So. Maryland. Praise be to God. Good morning from Maryland. How did you guys get snow out there? We had like snow throughout the Midwest yesterday. How was your weather out there? No snow, just cold. <laughs> just, uh, all sad. the cold and none of the snow. That's, That's actually no fun. depressing. <laughs> <laughs> well, praise be to God, Joni. Are you ready to go? Do you understand how the game is played? I believe I have to pick Emily or Adrian. You do. It's true. Now, I I, I know that there's rumors flying around that Emily always has the right answers and Adrian is never right. But I don't know that that strategy will work every time. So (laughs) I just want to give you some caution there. Uh, But uh, if you're ready to go, we'll start with Emily first, as is our custom. Emily, are you ready? Absolutely. Are you sure? Mm -hmm. Are you sure? Okie dokie. Here we go. Okie dokie. Oh, keep her moving. (laughs) Okay, here we go. First question of the game. What is the month of the Holy Infancy? Ah, the Holy Infancy. Okay, so my family actually goes to the Shrine of Christ the King Chapel. So mm-hmm. uh, I know that this is the answer to this question is December. And I also did a novena to the Infant King in December. So, so your answer is December. Yes, I do know the answer to this question. Mm-hmm. Are you Sounds sure? like she doesn't know the answer. 
She sounds no, very No, I really confident. do. I have a devotion to the infant king. Okay, it's so December. December. I promise. Uh, Adrian, Adrian, what is the month of the holy infancy? Well, I don't have a devotion to the holy infancy. That sounds terrible. It oh does. my god. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> Did that come out of your mouth? I mean, who regulates but, uh, that? The January is whenever we celebrate the um, circumcision. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to go with January is the feast of the holy infancy. That's when we celebrate the holy family that's, okay. and that stuff. All so right. I'm going to go with that's January. Stuff. Yeah, that stuff. All right. So Adrian is on the hook for January. And Emily is on the hook for December. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Joni, what say you? Um, I'm going to say Adrian. Adrian. Survey says? I am so Johnny! sorry. It was worth a good try there, though. Uh, all right. Uh-huh. So, uh, sorry. The actual answer is December. All right. Two more chances, though, Joni. Two more opportunities. And I think they get easier from here, to be honest with you. But two more opportunities to get into the coffee cup of divine providence for the, I guess it's $200 value deal from Tan. That's right. $226 for the 20 set children's book set. What's next? I mean, it's only going up from here every week. It's crazy. <laughs> all right. Here we go. Uh, Adrian goes first this time. This should be a fairly easy one, I would say. Oh, no. <laughs> it's No, really. During what season is the Alleluia omitted from Mass? Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with... So, uh, the Alleluia is very, you know, festive and fun. So, I'm going to go with Advent. Advent is, uh, mm. is slightly less festive and fun. Are you so, sure? So, um, I'm going to go with Advent, the are, season of Advent. Are you sure? Well, I, okay. that's what I'm going with. Okay. Uh, Emily, let's try you. Uh, Emily, in what season is the Alleluia ad- omitted omitted from Mass? Well, that was a good ge- uh, guess, Adrian, because Advent is also a penitential season. But the correct answer for this one, I got you on this one, Joni. It's Lent. Lent. Sounded very confident. All right, so Adrian is on the board. Adrian, Adrian is on the board for Advent. Emily is on the board for Lent. Fifteen seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Oh, Joni, what say you? Easily, Emily. Emily. I like easily, Emily. Emily. Easily. <laughs> Survey says congratulations. You've Woo! made it into the coffee cup of divine providence this week. All right, Joni. Praise God, Joni. You did it. I'm very, I'm very proud of you. That was an easy one. This one may be more tricky though. So. Uh, we'll have to pay attention to how Emily and Adrian answer here, but uh, I I did not know the answer to this one. I had to cheat and look it up, so just so you know. Are you ready? Emily, we're back to you first. Here we go. A picture or a carving with sacred subjects or emblems on three sections is called a what? Uh, Emphasis on the three. Oh, emphasis on the three. Okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You can't give hints. I'm giving that, hints. That was a hint. I'm the host. I still I can don't. do whatever I wish. <laughs> I think that's called, you said sacred image. I think that's called an icon, right? Is that your answer? Yeah, that's I'm going to go answer. with icon. A- mm-hmm. Icon is your answer. All right, let's see yeah. what Adrian has to say. Uh, Adrian, a picture or a carving with sacred subjects or emblems on three sections is called a what? Well, so it's split into three subjects, so I'm going to go with a triptych. I think that's how you pronounce it. It's Sounds a, fancy. And so, yeah, try meaning three, so there's three sections of it. Okay. It folds open, you know, okay. like that. Okay, so Adrian's on the board for triptych. 
And Emily's on the board for Icon. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Joni, what say you? Uh, Adrian is absolutely right. Absolutely right. See, absolutely. she got more confidence. She gave. All right, a survey says. There we go. Congratulations. You got the hardest one, right? Praise be to God. Uh, so you're in the coffee cup of divine providence twice there, uh, Joni. What do you? How do you feel? Oh, I, I'm upset. I, I didn't go with Emily the first time because I thought, oh, <laughs> Adrian, she's right. But I didn't know. You know, we're right in the middle of baptism, so, you know, and, you know, hard to... Anyways. Well, oh, well. praise be to God. <laughs> I'm sorry, Joni. They tricked you. <laughs> I feel good. Well, we're very excited. Thank you for calling in and being our caller, our contestant today. We're, we're very excited for you. So we're going to put you in the coffee cup twice. You have to tune in on Friday and see if your name is pulled out of that cup. Don't go anywhere. I'm going to put you on hold, Joni, so that we can get your information in case you're the winner. But uh, thank you for being on our show today. Okay, thanks. God All right, praise be to God in all things. That's going to do it for today's game show. But stick around. We still have a lot more Catholic Drive Time coming your way. More breaking news and stories after the break. Plus, our conversation with Dr. Kerry Gress is still coming up. All that and more on Catholic Drive Time. We'll be right back. Why do Protestants not believe John 6 when it says that Jesus' flesh is real food and that his blood is real drink? I don't know. In Matthew 26, Mark 14, and Luke 22, Jesus says of the bread, this is my body. He says of the wine, this is my blood. Not this is symbolic of or this represents. He says this is. In John 6, he repeats himself like he does nowhere else in Scripture to emphasize the fact that he expects us to eat his flesh and drink his blood and that his flesh is real food and that his blood is real drink. Anyone who says he is speaking symbolically and not literally simply is refusing to look at all the facts. Fact number one, the Jews took him literally. We see that in verse 52. Fact number two, his disciples took him literally. We see that in verse 60. Fact number three, the apostles took him literally. Verses 67 to 69. If everyone who heard him speak at the time took him literally, then my question is, why does anyone today, 2,000 years after the fact, take him symbolically? Also, in verse 51 of John 6, Jesus says that the bread which he will give for the life of the world is his flesh. When did he give his flesh for the life of the world? On the cross. Was that symbolic? If you think Jesus is speaking symbolically here when he says that we must eat his flesh and drink his blood, then you must also conclude that Jesus' death on the cross was only symbolic. It wasn't really Jesus hanging up there. It was symbolic flesh and symbolic blood. Jesus is clearly talking about the flesh that he gave for the life of the world. He did that on the cross. Those who believe he is talking symbolically here in John 6 have a real problem when it comes to John 6, verse 51. Did Jesus give us his real flesh and blood for the life of the world? Or was it only his symbolic flesh and blood? A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Monday morning headlines. Law enforcement officials have opened at least 25 domestic terrorism cases related to the January 6th breach of the U.S. Capitol building. Four people were confirmed dead on Capitol grounds late last Wednesday after violent protesters broke into the Capitol building. 
According to Representative Jason Crow of the Armed Services Committee, the Pentagon made several attempts to offer National Guard resources to the D.C. Metropolitan Police and U.S. Capitol Police before the breach. The department repeatedly were told no additional resources were needed. Mayor Muriel Bowser has called on the Department of Homeland Security to increase security measures ahead of Biden's inauguration. Nancy Pelosi announced that the House is taking up a resolution to impeach President Donald Trump for the second time in less than two years. Pelosi said that Democratic leaders on Monday will request unanimous consent for a separate resolution urging Vice President Mike Pence to convene the cabinet to invoke the 25th Amendment to the Constitution to declare the president incapable of executing the duties of his office. More than 200 House Democrats have signed on to co-sponsor an impeachment resolution accusing Trump of incitement of insurrection and says he engaged in high crimes and misdemeanors by willfully inciting violence against the government of the United States. In a recent Italian interview, the Holy Father said he would be vaccinated against the coronavirus as early as this week, calling it a life-saving ethical obligation and the refusal to do so suicidal. The Pope said that he felt ethically everyone should receive the vaccine. He added that in not taking the vaccine, people were not only putting their own health at risk, but also that of others. Pope Francis went on to say that people who refused to take the vaccine when it was known to be safe possessed a suicidal denialism. The Holy Father also recently said the storming of the U.S. Capitol building astonished him and should be condemned. The Bible in a Year podcast with Father Mike Schmitz is the number one podcast in the nation. The podcast produced by Ascension Press features a Catholic priest reading and analyzing scripture and has been at the top of the Apple podcast charts since January 2nd, ahead of secular podcasts produced by The New York Times, NBC News, and NPR. The, su the success of the podcast took both Father Schmitz and Matthew Pinto, CEO of Ascension Press, by surprise. Pinto said in an interview, quote, we knew it was going to be a great program, but clearly this has struck a nerve beyond what we expected. Our first thought was that for some reason, God has anointed this particular project. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Monday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Uh, real quick before we jump into our conversation with Dr. Kerry Gress, uh, I want to mention a couple things. Number one, on January the 18th, we are going to begin live streaming a uh, daily mass right here on the Cross the Guadalupe Radio Network at 7.30 in the morning. So when that happens, on January the 18th, mark your calendars. The Mass will be live-streamed out of the beautiful Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel in Corpus Christi, Texas. It's the Salts Chapel. It's a very beautiful place. If you've never been there, I encourage you to check that out someday. But that'll start January 18th, 730. When that happens, Catholic Drive Time will, will spend the, ne the last half hour of our program on our live video streams across Facebook and Twitter and YouTube. We may be posting in a few more locations now, especially after this incre incredibly crazy social media weekend that we've been discussing on the program today. So be sure to mark your calendar January 18th, and on that day, on the last half hour, be sure to 
tune in with us online if you wish to do so. Of course, I also want to mention really quickly that the Guadalupe Radio Network is trying to give somebody a Mercedes. Could be you. I don't know. Check out grnonline.com. Scroll down to the What's Happening Around uh, section and make sure you click on the Mercedes. You'll be able to get all the information and details about how you might win a brand new car and help to fund this Catholic Radio apostolate to keep sharing the good, the true, and the beautiful across all of our radio stations. So praise God for that. But with that said, I want to welcome Dr. Carrie Gress uh, from uh, her book is about the anti-Mary exposed to about toxic femininity. It's, pr- it's published by Tan. Good morning to you, Dr. Gress. Good morning. Praise be to God in all things. I hope you're doing well. I hope, uh, you know, in these uh, dark and difficult days, we're still very joyful, aren't we? And we have a wonderful opportunity to talk about some incredible things this morning. But, uh, you know, your book is very interesting to me in particular uh, because I think it's very relatable to some of the difficulties we are seeing in society. In the last hour, we, t- we were talking with uh, 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 Susan from uh, American Life League, and we we're talking about some of these gender issues and life issues. And I think when it comes down to, if we, we, see, we always see the photo negative in society. Our Lady represents uh, the sort of the opposite of the trends we see in our, in our society. Mm-hmm. And I hope we can start there in our conversation with you, Dr. Gress. Maybe you can give us the, uh, the background on your book. Sure. Well, I, I think the book started because I was looking at elite women in our culture, and I realized that, you know, these women weren't just slightly different from Our Lady, but they were diametrically opposed to who Our Lady is in terms of the life issue and love and um, just the way that, uh, you know, all those virtues that Our Lady embodies. And so I started looking back to the 1960s and kind of the sources of all of these issues. And I think, um, you know, the gender issue that you mentioned really is an outflowing of what has happened with radical feminism. Um, in the 60s. And of course, um, what I discovered was all of that is really rooted in, and certainly in Marxism, um, but also in the occult. And so it was fascinating to look at it. And, you know, people have said that the first half of my book is, is really challenging to read because it's, it's scary and it's dark. Mm. And yet the second half of the book, you know, I didn't want to leave people with that. Um, Mm. I wanted to leave them with something very hopeful. And the second part is really looking at how Our Lady is this incredible model for us. Um, and how do we recover that? How do we, you know, rediscover who she is? Because I think we can also think of her in just very saccharine or kind of one-dimensional ways in our lives. You know, she's that statue in the church, um, but we don't feel like she's really our mother and she's really there for us. Um, so that was what I, I sought to do in the book. And I did that looking specifically at um, how she embodies um, the desires of women's hearts. And um, so I think it was successful. I've had a lot of women... Um, change their lives because of it. I've, I've been hearing stories of women who've left the lev- lesbian lifestyle. Mm. Um, a lot of women who have, have discovered just how um, much they've been misinformed and are, are changing their lives. Dr. Gress, your book absolutely blew my mind when I read it. It really changed my life and the way I saw myself. So I'm a big fan. I recommend it to everybody. But uh, Didn't you just buy like a dozen of them? I did. Tan Books was having a sale, so I bought a ton of copies. Um, so, that's so great. Toxic femininity, that's not a phrase you hear very often. We mm-hmm. hear toxic masculinity yeah. all the time. Can you talk a little bit about right. that? Right. Yeah, no, that's one of the fascinating trends is just to really see how much 
radical feminism has set it up so that women can't really do anything wrong. Um, and so, but men are always doing something wrong. There's this odd <laughs> dynamic um, that that we see. You know, if you look at at commercials uh, all the time, it's, there's a, a man who's an idiot, and the woman has to come rescue him yes. um, or help him figure out whatever he's doing. Um, so it's it that that's the schizophrenic relationship that I think we've um, found in radical feminism where women are supposed to be just like men or be able to, you know, compete with them on every level. And yet men are the ones that need to change. Um, so I go into that in, in the book and just really point out how awful this is for, you know, the, the entirety of, of society, but to also recognize that these are the kinds of things that have really destroyed uh, mm. the family. And a lot of it is because it's really built on these lies um, that our children are an obstacle to our to our happiness and our husbands are an obstacle to our happiness um so that's you know exposing those lies i think um is the first thing that we have to do to help women really see how much we've been duped um by this kind of toxic femininity that we're living with day in and day out and i know men um see it too i mean they live it and they don't know how to respond to it and um so we're kind of all in this odd dynamic where Women are unhealthy, but men don't know how to help them out of that because anything they say is wrong. So, yeah, yeah it's it's a challenge that we face. I, I've also I've written a book on how to overcome pornography addiction, and I've I've spoken a lot about it over the years, and mm-hmm. and I can tell you firsthand that uh, with the plague of pornography addiction in our country, uh, there's a, just a in a couple of generations now that are totally emasculated. And part of the problem of the masculated uh, masculinity is they 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 fear strong women too. They fear uh, they don't really know how to relate well. They can't engage emotionally, and it becomes a very difficult problem to overcome. So you have the two the toxic femininity and emasculated masculinity and and coming together in this perfect recipe for uh, a disaster of a culture. And we're seeing, I think, mm-hmm. that around unfold around us in big ways. And you start to see people mm-hmm. make. Decisions that seem totally crazy on the surface, like uh, like saying a woman and a men, like that's that's just not <laughs> logical. Like wh- what what's going on right. here? And I think these are contributing factors. And one of the things you you were saying earlier, mm-hmm. Dr. Carrie Gress is our guest today, by the way. Uh, we're talking about her book, The Anti Mary Exposed: Rescuing the Culture from Toxic Femininity, published by Tan. Um, you know, the photo negative, right? So the complete opposite. And I think there's a rejection of Catholic church teaching on sexual uh, morality because they think it's stifling or, or it's prude or, or mm-hmm. it's, it's whatever. It's, it's, it's keeping us from our freedoms. But it's actually the opposite mm-hmm. is true. And that's, it's even more uh, apparent, I think, when we look at Our Lady. It's like, uh, we, we want to believe the opposite of what we teach and believe and what is actually true about Our Lady. Don't, wouldn't you say, Dr. Gress? Mm-hmm. No, I think you're absolutely right. Um, and I think this is one of the interesting things. I mean, when, when you dig into the roots of radical feminism, and even women today, all women have this really deep desire to do good. We, we want to help others um, tremendously. Um, and that motivates us in so many different ways. And that is a desire from God. But the problem is, is we've been so misinformed about how to do that. You know, we, looking back at these early feminists, um, you know, they thought that, that, taking their friends to get illegal abortions and all of that was actually something good. Hmm. Um, and so we can see this desire 
But Our Lady is the one and the only one who's embodied it perfectly. Um, so I look at you know things like that, um, this desire we have for good. We also have incredible desire to be beautiful. And we can see how many billions of dollars are spent by women trying to achieve that. Again, not realizing that that desire is from God. God wants us to be beautiful. Our Lady is gorgeous. And, and in fact, all of the, when I researched the, the Marian Option book, Every single account I read of, of someone that had seen an apparition of her said, she's so beautiful. It was the most beautiful woman I'd ever seen in the, in the world. Yeah. Um, St. Therese said, you'd want to die because she's so beautiful just so you could see her again. Um, so that's another area where we can, we've really been manipulated um, because, of course, our beauty comes from God. Our goodness comes from God. And that's why Our Lady does, embodies these perfectly because of her connection to God. Um, so I wanted to really draw these things out in a way that was, again, at our fingertips. Like, I ha- we all, all women have these desires. They can be corrupted and they can be distorted and manipulated. How do we get back to them being ordered and, and right? Um, and, and that's what, you know, of course, I can describe it all I want, but it happens much more readily when we pray the rosary, when we come to know who she is, when we read stories about her, when we read about the saints, when we can start seeing clearly what goodness and, and beauty and being loved is by, by others um, through her model. Yes, amen. And your book really changed my own relationship with Mary as well. Um, Dr. Gress, the feminist movement has been set up in our culture as this sort of completely pure, immaculate movement. Uh, if you don't call yourself mm-hmm. a feminist, who are you? You're a woman hater. Mm-hmm. Um, but you in your book show that the roots of the feminist movement are not only bad, but demonic even. And so can you expand mm-hmm. on the communist roots of the feminist movement and also the demonic roots? Yeah, no, actually, I um, I talked a lot to Mallory Millett. Um, her sister was Kate Millett, who was one of the very outspoken radical feminists. She was on the cover of Time magazine. Um, she wrote a book called Sexual Politics that is just a nightmare, but it was lauded by everybody. And it's actually the foundation for the women's studies programs that are in most of our um, universities at this stage. Mm-hmm. Um, so Kate has passed away, and Mallory has started talking about these early stages, and um, Kate was very much a, a communist and very much um, wow. interested in seeing the Marxist element brought to it. But she was also very involved in the occult. Um, and I describe it in, in the book, just this one evening where, and actually they would recount, um, do this sort of litany of sorts where um, they would talk about trying to destroy the family, trying to destroy men, trying to destroy the patriarchy, trying to in, include in the culture um, homosexuality, abortion, prostitution, um, all of these things that back in the 70s and early 70s were certainly not part of the culture. And yet now we see that they're sort of become the bedrock of the culture in terms of what you see um, in the marketplace um, and what people are talking about. So Mallory was just hugely influential. In fact, she's the one that came up with a title for sexual politics for her mm-hmm. sister. And almost 50 years later, she's, she helped me come up with my title um, of talk with toxic femininity in the title. So I think for her, it was a real arc of, of transformation to see how God has changed her life. Um, but it, really interesting to just start looking into these details because nobody looks at them because they're, you know, old and not, you know, talked about because everybody sort of wants to cover them up again because this it's supposed to have this, this is the only way women can think um, sense to it. 
And it's it's terribly sad. And I, I think especially because what they have been able to do is paint anybody that doesn't think like them, like you said, either we're women haters or we're doormats. Um, and I, I think that that extreme is something that we really need to push against and um, start representing more, much more in the culture than, what, than we have to up to this point. Uh, Dr. Gress, I noticed that there's a lot of things going on in the, in the, even in the church where we see like this idea of like, oh, I'm a Catholic feminist, uh, and that kind of movement mm-hmm. towards, uh, having this idea. And just recently we just reported on today how, um, they just reported that the, that Pope Francis has said that women should be able to become instituted acolytes and instituted lectors. Uh, now, this seems kind of, um, Strange in the in the culture of uh, of Catholics because the office of lector and acolyte has mm-hmm. always been reserved for males in conformity to Christ and the egalitarian idea like this everyone's equal radically equal not just equal in dignity mm-hmm. but equal in every aspect has uh, seeped into the church. Um, wh- what do you say to like this kind of egalitarian uh, equality between men and women even in the church? Yeah, well, I'm not going to comment on what Pope Francis said because I have I, that's news to me. So I'd, I'd love to see exactly what he said because we all know <laughs> um, things get taken out of context um, and overblown. But the the Catholic feminism piece is a, is a real challenge, I think, um, partially because there are some women who are doing amazing research on this and amazing work in the area under that title. The problem, though, is that a lot of us are not intellectually trained sufficiently to really see where the problems are. So it's very easy to take on some of the Marxist egalitarian ideas that are straight out of communism. So, you know, they were in Soviet Union embodied in very dramatic ways um, that I go into in the book. Um, so it, that's part of the problem. The other thing that always fascinates me about this trend of sort of embracing feminism as Catholic feminism is um, we don't see that with other ideologies. I, I, you know, part of the idea is, well, we want to reach out to women and, and sort of show them a different way. But we don't see this with Nazis or the mafia or, or, or even communism in general. We don't say, well, I need to become a, a neo-Nazi, a pro-life Nazi in order to combat Nazism. Yeah. Um, so it's an interesting <laughs> dynamic that that's kind of the way that we've, we've chosen to combat it rather than just say, there's some real problems with radical feminism. I'm stepping out of it. And I'm going to embrace something that's much healthier. And and I think that the church certainly, um, you know, the thing we lose sight of so easily is it's really the Catholic Church that is the one that gave women this idea that we had equal dignity. Um, it, it certainly started with Christ and then the devotion and to Our Lady um, for, you know, a thousand years is mm. what really developed it more richly. Um, so it's ironic that, you know, that we're rejecting Our Lady and, and who she is, when she's the very one that brought us this understanding of equal dignity in, in, in the first place. Um, you don't find it in other religions. Um, so I think that the, the tradition of the church doesn't actually need uh, feminism in terms of trying to un- understand proper um, anthropology and who women are and then the relationship between men and women and the family. So I've just gotten to the point where I, I don't use the word feminism in terms of trying to describe women um, because I just don't think it's a healthy approach. I think that we have so many, so much other language and other ways to articulate it that can feel fresh and and life giving, um, rather than trying to get confused and you know what what thread of feminism are you embodying? That I guess that's the real problem. Is it just mm. ends up becoming this gray word that what I mean is totally different than what the 15 million other women 
uh, you know, around me mean as well. Um, so I think it's got some real problems. But the bigger issue is just to try and reduce all of us down to the exact same things because, of course, we're not. And um, that's a real challenge that we have, too, is to sort of restore what it means to be a woman because we spent so much time talking about how we compare to men. The women don't even really know what's unique about them. And my latest book, um, Theology of Home 2, The Spiritual Art of Motherhood, my co-author, Noelle Maring, and I go into it and into a lot of depth um, what that means and starting trying to unpack um, womanhood again because all women are called to be mothers, either materially and, and bearing children or adoption or spiritually in terms of um, helping others come to know who they are and become who they are. And that's something we, we really don't think about at all. Mm. Um, so it was, a, it was a fun book to write because it's, it's just not, people aren't talking about it because we've spent so much time talking about feminism. We're not talking about what it actually means to be woman in, a, in very concrete and compelling ways. And um, so that's been another fun project to sort of draw out, again, what, uh, what womanhood really is instead of just in comparison to men. We're talking with uh, Dr. Carrie Gress about her book, The Anti-Mary Exposed, Rescuing the Culture from Toxic Femininity, published by TAN. Um, you know, I was thinking a minute ago as you were talking, Dr. Gress, that uh, Rodney Stark, who is uh, an agnostic at best, I would say, definitely not a card-carrying Catholic believer, um, he wrote a book on the rise of Christianity, and I th- it's either in his book, Rise of Christianity, or it's in his Debunking the Myths book. I can't recall. I'm thinking off the top of my head. But one of the things that he discovered in his research as to why Christianity spread so fast in the early church was because of women and how they flocked mm. to Christianity because paganism was so hard on the women. Uh, mm-hmm. Paganism didn't mm-hmm. offer a very joyful mm-hmm. uh, opportunity for them in life, and they found uh, something completely different in Christianity, and uh, and they brought with them their important and powerful husbands in the what I call the mm-hmm. elbow evangelization technique in the middle of the night, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we see that mm-hmm. in the life of Saint Ignatius of Antioch, who in his letter to the Romans, uh, you know, knew that these powerful converts existed, and told them not to rescue him from the mouth of the lions. But I was also, as I was thinking. About that, I was also thinking about the contrast between uh, what we saw the demonstrations in Argentina, where thousands were celebrating in the streets for abortion and glitter and lights and music and dancing like it was one big giant party. And then uh, you think about uh, 431, the Council of Ephesus, when the people wanted the church to declare Theotokos, Mary, as mother of God. Mm -hmm. And so you have these contrasting, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, people celebrating in the streets, one for Our Lady as mother of God and one to abort children. The contrast, I think, couldn't Mm -hmm. be more stark. But I got to tell you, Mm -hmm. Dr. Grass, as a dad, as a husband and a father of six Mm -hmm. with two grandkids, uh, boy, I do not want my my family in the middle of a crazy society that's that's you know celebrating uh, the culture of death. Mm-hmm. What say you, Doctor Kerry Grass? Yeah, no, I think you couldn't be more right. And in fact, that um, that idea that women really are this incredibly remarkable power for evangelization is really what motivates me. I I started this pro- um, website called theologyofhome.com precisely for that because we just don't have a lot of media for women to um, help them feel like they're in a community and that they have resources at their fingertips and that they're, what they believe is being reinforced by others. And um, so between that and my books, that's really been my main project is to recognize that we have this capacity to, like you said, husbands, but also sons and daughters-in-law and neighbors and 
um, I think that that's just an amazing gift that we have that we, is completely under um, appreciated, and and that's what women need to recognize that they have this gift and can pass the faith on. Um, but unfortunately, I think that the anti-Marian culture is is going to get a lot worse under the Biden administration and probably the following Harris administration. Um, I think that we need to do everything that we can, um, not only to, you know, we ha- obviously have to pray the rosary, but we've got a lot of other resources at our fingertips. Um, if you look at the culture, we've got, there's about 70 million Catholics, um, roughly 20% of the population versus 2% of the population, which is LBGT community. Um, but if you look at the marketplace, it looks exactly the opposite. You would never, you don't even realize that there are Catholics in the culture if you look at that. So I think we have to do a better job of even getting our ideas out there. If you look at Hollywood, people say, well, we've got Patricia Heaton. You know, you can't really think of that many devout Catholics, maybe Jim Caviezel, um, a handful of others, but we're not represented the way that we used to be um, with someone like Archbishop Sheen on Monday nights or, um, you know, movies getting Academy Awards and things like that. So I think that, that we have to do a better job of recognizing just how important it is to spread our message out into the culture because right now it seems very um, muted. You know, Father Newhouse always talked about the naked public square. Um, I think we have the naked public marketplace mm. um and that's a, that's another reason why i'm do, making catholic products um that we sell on our our site um to start filling it up not not because i'm looking to make a lot of money because of course that's not happening um because it's a lot of work and investment but because we have to start helping people see that it's normal to receive catholic products it's a normal thing to have them out there and it's a normal thing to have catholic ideas out there so i i think that that's um, something we have to just continue to do and, and fight it with podcasts and um, use whatever we've got at our, our fingertips and, and certainly in prayer, things that come to us um, and, and really fight for our families. Um, Cause this is, you're, you're absolutely right. It's the tentacles are long and I can't tell you how many stories I've heard of people saying that, you know, I've raised my children as best I could. And then they went to college and they came back, you know, with a beard, um, <laughs> you know, they went, they left as a girl and they came back with a beard um, so I, I think it's just an, it's a nightmare scenario out there because a lot of these situations are almost irreversible, especially when you look at into the gender issues and the, the hormones that are being taken and the mutilations of the body um, that are happening. And so, yeah, we have, as Catholics, we have a lot of work, but we also have an incredible amount of joy and we have an incredible amount of things that people are hungry for. Um, so I think that that's the, the hopeful side of it is people are, are looking for something. Um, they're sad and they're scared and they're anxious and we've got the antidote to all of that. Um, and certainly Our Lady is, is wants to help us with this. Well, we're out of time. Uh, Dr. Carrie Grass, thank you for being our guest today on the program. We're very grateful to you. We're, we're posting a link to the book. Uh, the Anti-Mary Exposed, and we're posting that over at Catholic Drive Time's uh, page on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time, as well as on GRN online and elsewhere. So, Dr. Carrie Grass, God bless you, God love you, and thank you for being on the program today. My pleasure.
Thank you. All right. That's going to do it for today. Tune in tomorrow. Edward Penton will be our guest in the first hour. We hope you can join us, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. And then Dr. Holly Ordway will talk about Tolkien and the uh, and, uh, conversion from atheism in the second hour. Another great program lined up for tomorrow, as well as the game show, breaking news and stories, all that and more. I want to thank everybody who called into the program today. And we're very grateful to all of you for being a part of the Catholic Drive Time family. Maybe you can win a Mercedes. Check it out. GRN on Online.com. God love you. God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow morning. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you.